51, studying the attitude, uh, talking about the attitude of Christ that we ought to have, have this mind, this attitude that Christ Jesus had. We want to talk about the mind of a servant. The Philippians second chapter, we've been spending some time in this passage right now focusing on verses 5 to 11. I want to draw our attention to verse 7. I lift it up and I hear one more time. It says, uh, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Another translation says that he, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave or bond servant, humbling himself in the image or the form of a slave, in the image of man. I want to highlight two parts of this text. It says here that in New Living says the humble position of a slave. I want to grab that he went from being high and chose to come low. He went from being the master of all and choosing to become the servant of all. He showed us the mind of a servant. If you have your Bible still open, join with me if you can. Uh, Go into the gospel according to Mark, uh, the ninth chapter. I I think I I need to help us out to further to see uh, the purpose and the moment that Christ is showing us what it means to be a servant. Uh, Mark the gospel according to Mark 9 chapter, I think, will be an, an, another passage to help to identify to us what Christ is calling us to, to do in having a mind or the attitude of service. Mark, the ninth chapter, if you join with me at verse 33 to verse 37. Gospel according to Mark 9 chapter, verse 33 to verse 37. If you're able to stand and honor reading God's words, you're welcome uh, to do so. Those who are able uh, and those who are not there and need some time, say, hold on. Amen. We'll hold on. Uh, but please try your best to keep your Bible open. Try not fall asleep to see that I'm not telling you a lie. We're going to stay right here in the Word. I want to look at Mark, the ninth chapter, as a backdrop, if you will, as a complementary scripture to our focus text for this morning of Philippians second chapter, verse seven, that he emptied himself. He he gave up of divine privileges and chose to come humbly as a slave, as a bondservant, as a servant in the form of a man. Amen. Amen. Are we there? Amen. Let us read together. Amen. Those who have New Living Translation, uh, go ahead and read out loud. You have a different translation. That's all right. Join in the fun anyway. Amen. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer. 
because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve disciples over to him, and said, Whoever wants to be first must take the last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me, not only me, but also my Father who sent me. Amen. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. Help me tell your neighbor, tell him, having the mind of a servant. I I want to first draw some points from this passage here. Uh, We are in Mark 9th chapter, and you see here, verse 33 says, after they arrived to uh, Capernaum. So basically giving you an itinerary, an agenda that Christ has been traveling. He's been moving from place to to place. But notice that this is the 33rd verse in this 9th chapter, which means there must have been some action taking place beforehand, which you are correct. Many of you that have studied Bibles have headings that let you know in a brief synopsis of what has happened. So if you just look above the 33rd verse, if you have a New Living Translation, it says, Jesus again predicts his death. And if you go above that, you see it may be another sign that says, Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. And if you go above that, it says the transfiguration. And so here it is that the transfiguration opens up. There's, there's only a few disciples present with Christ when that happens. Uh, If you look there, it says that six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. And and I want to highlight that because Peter, James, and John might be thinking that they the best. They were like, like we, we, we never lose. We on top. We, 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 we hang with Jesus. We, we got to see stuff nobody else got to see. We, 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 it was so good up there that some suggest that Peter was saying we should stay up here. He was saying that we should build houses and not go back down. It's so good at the top. Why should we go back down to those who are beneath us? Go back to troubles and trials and tribulations when we're right here in your glory, in your presence, hearing God talk, seeing, seeing the great prophets right next to Jesus. This is a good place. But yet Jesus still goes down. And you notice when he comes down, he goes back to ministry, that the disciples that were down had a problem that they could not rebuke underneath his spirit. It says that one had faith at the beginning. The father had faith at the beginning that the disciples should be able to rebuke the spirit. But as time went on, he started losing, like, I don't think y'all can handle it. And so that's where he says, I have faith to help my unbelief. Because he saw them not able to do so. When Christ came down, he let them know, ye of little faith. And he was able to rebuke the the evil spirit. Then he talks about his death again. But then it says that after they arrived to Capernaum, he says that they were disgusting on the road. And, And notice that it says Jesus asked his disciples, what were you disgusting on the road? But notice what? They didn't answer have anybody had that conversation with somebody before you knew what they were talking about? And you asked them, what was it about? And they didn't answer. Because you know that they know and you know that what they were talking about really they should have been talking about. So they're not going to let you know because they're taking a chance. Well, maybe you don't know. So if I don't say anything, we can just 
let this slide by. And so Jesus asked them, what were you discussing? He already knew what they were discussing. He's already prepared to teach them a lesson, but they were now willing to confess. Let me encourage you today that God already knows what you're going through. You just need to be willing to confess. And when you confess, it opens you up to freely receive what God has for you. But here it is, that since they didn't confess and they weren't going to answer, Jesus pointed out to them that he sat down and called the 12 disciples over him and said, whoever wants to be first must take what? Last place and be the servant of everyone else. Why did he do that? The commentary tells us because they had been arguing who was the greatest. See, they were arguing who is the greatest. So that's why I, my suggesting to us that Peter, James, and John were talking about who the best. You know, we the best because we were up on the mountaintop. Y'all didn't see what we got to see. We, we were up high looking low. We the number one. We, we, we the one. And if you continue following the gospel, Peter, James, and John go in the house where nobody else can when he raises the daughter up who was dead. They, they were privileged to see things that no one else was able to see with Christ. They experienced special things with Christ others did not experience. And so here it is. I I, I can see how the argument could have picked up how Peter, James, and John saying how we are better than everybody else in this group. Uh, Basically, basically saying if anything was to go down, Jesus would call me first. I will be the one to know the information first. I, I, I will be the power of eternity. I, I will be the one that reads the will and testament. Everything's going to come to me. They're basically suggesting that I'm the one who is right. But Christ is pointing out to them, y'all got it all wrong. If you want to be great, if you really want to be great, you got to learn to be last. Do you see how he says that who wants to be first, who wants to be primary, who wants to be premier, needs to be last? And, y'all see the and there? Be the servant of everyone else. There's, There's a difference between being last and being the servant of everyone else. Last is this. You ever gone to a place to eat and you let mothers and children and older folks go before you and you don't mind being last? That's last. You still get your food because you're last. Being last and serving is that you are the one serving everybody. Everybody has been fed and they're sitting down now. The food is now cold. Y'all quiet on me. You don't have choice pieces of the chicken left for you to pick over. Y'all quiet on me. The best desserts are not still on the table. The sweet tea is now ice. And that's what you'd gladly take because you were pleased to serve everybody else and then make yourself last. You see the difference? We don't mind being last. Oh, I'm so good. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. But I still want my food hot. Reminds me of Christmas Story. Y'all like that movie Christmas Story? One of the lines in about the mom says she never knew a warm meal. 
saying because she always had to work on the on her on her husband always wanted something the child would never eat so by the time she sat down the food was cold but any moms in the house <laughs> they know that what is not to have a warm meal because everybody else you serve everybody else first and then you take yourself last you see, the, the issue is that God wants us to understand that in order to be great in his kingdom, we must know the joy of being last. Tell your neighbor, be last. See, in society, we push so much to be number one. Uh, we always fight to see who's the greatest, who's the best, as if who's on the top of the list. Christ is saying you need to switch it around and see if you want to be number one, you need to race to be the first servant and to serve who? Everybody. So join back with me in Philippians and now see this perspective that Christ has, has given us. And so notice that the gospel is showing us the life of Christ and uh, these letters, and, and, and some of us may know that these letters, these letters came before the Gospels. And so this Gospel principle of being last and serving has been circling Christianity for a long time. And so this attitude of servanthood is, is showing itself strong in Paul's letter to the Philippians, saying that if you are Christians, then you should serve with great glee and joy of putting yourself last and others first. Look at verse 7. Y'all with me there? It says, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. I want to point out that Christ is the example of the greatest servant. He shows us how a servant has to empty themselves of privileges. Uh, basically, when you empty yourself, it's removing superiority and, and not holding on to things you think you ought to hold on to. This is sort of how many politicians and those running for office will go to a soup kitchen. And, and what they do, they remove expensive jewelry, they take off their nice suit and put on an apron, and then they get already clean pots and wipe them down for a photo op. Look, I'm serving. Yeah, y'all follow? Just to give you a projection of service, compared to those who will dress in the same clothes, and come and serve like everybody else. They say, because I want to work with you. There's a difference in the image. When you are allowing yourself to remove privilege and superiority and says, I will serve like everybody else. Jesus came low. Tell your neighbor, Jesus came low. He could have stayed high and says, you know, I'm the king and I don't have time to deal with minor issues. But he came low as a slave. He emptied himself. He gave up privileges that he could have held on to in order to show us the heart and the mind of a servant. He said he came in the form of a slave. Now, this form part, if you remember, it says, though he was in the form of God, thought of not robbery. And now he's in the form of a slave. 
That's the same Greek word being used as showing that though he was in the form of God, he chose to come in the form of a slave. Notice that he's showing us that in order to be a servant, you got to let go of the things you think you ought to have. Sometimes we have to get dirty. You, you, you ever been there before? You try to be cute, try to do something. And then you end up getting dirty anyway because you try to be too cute. That's what happens. That you just, If you just go ahead and just get down with it, then you're going to take care of it. So therefore, if you need to get something, you need to get dirty, then go ahead and put the overalls on. And go ahead and get dirty. Don't try to go out and say, I'm going to go out in the garden real quick. But I'm not, I'm not going to bend all the way. I'm just going to go over. And next thing you know, you fall down in the mud, you got to change your whole outfit. We need to realize that if you're going to go, go all the way. And tell your neighbor, you got to go all the way in. See, Jesus came all the way. He didn't halfway do it. He all the way. He said he gave up his high privilege and position to come in the form of a slave. He was willing to get dirty and to serve for our glory. Hallelujah. Do you understand that many times in his earthly ministry, Jesus had to get dirty in order for people to get healed? See, the Pharisee laws tell us that you, if you go by a dead body, you're unclean. You're ceremonial unclean. You can't be in the camp. If you go by leprous people and touch them, you're ceremonially unclean. You cannot be around. And yet Jesus still healed those born of leprosy. He still touched dead bodies and brought them back to life. Aren't you glad that he's willing to get dirty? So that we can become whole. We got to go all the way into that. If we are desperate to see healing happen in our relationship, we're desperate to see restoration happen in our community, you got to go all the way in. You can't just sit back and just talk about it. You got to be about it. You have to be the change you want to see. Isn't that what Gandhi said? That we need to be the change you want. You want somebody else to be more loving, start with yourself first. You want somebody else to be more giving, start with yourself. We can give excuses for ourselves. I'm not as giving because I don't have as much as you have. I want to encourage you, you have what you have. And here it is that God will bless you with what you don't have. We get caught up with what we can see. Now realize that God controls what we do not see. I got a few people with me. Don't get caught up in trying to serve people in this world thinking this is your only reward. What's here on earth will be destroyed. There are greater rewards in heaven. And I, I know what society I live in, we always want what's greater. Whenever there's something new out, people line up for whatever is new. I want to encourage you that there's something new coming up. And Jesus is coming back with all that new stuff. And he's going to change us in a twinkling of an eye. And when the trump sounds, so don't get caught up with what people can give you now. You can just let them know that my change is coming. Soon my trials and my tribulations will be over. That you won't have to worry about pain and suffering that much longer, knowing that soon that God will reveal his glory. And things will be better. So I got to keep on pushing. 
and trust and realize that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. But first, I need to be last. Christ shows us the mind of a servant will put others first and self last. The, the greatest is the servant of all. Y'all see that? In Mark 9, that's what he says. The greatest is last and the servant of all. Remember when Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve? He's showing them that I am not here to make it about me. I want to make it about you. You see, Jesus understood to serve you means I need to know about you. I got to communicate to you. Have you ever gone to a, a restaurant and it was a new to you and a menu was new to you and you asked the waiter their recommendation? You asked them, what do you prefer? And they tell you, they can't make the order for you, but they can give you some suggestions. And what I want to highlight to you is that they only give you what you order. And now, if it was the reverse, you order something and they got you something different, you'd be mad. Saying, this is not what I ordered. And they could tell you, but you would have liked this better, but that's not what I ordered. What I want to highlight to you is that though they may know something that you do not know, it's their job to let it go. Unless you order the bad soup on the menu. They know it's the bad soup, but they told you the good soup, but you got the bad soup. And they let you get the bad soup. Y'all, 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 y'all see what I'm talking about here? That it's there, the waiter is to serve you. So if you want it bad, they'll give it to you. They can't give it to you how they want it. They got to let go and say, I'm here to serve you how you want it. Some of you know how you go out to eat. Some people order their steak different ways. Some of them like it medium raw, some like it rare, somebody like it well done, and I like mine burnt. Make sure there's no excuses. But yet, the waiter can't tell me that you shouldn't get your steak this way, it will be better if you get it this way. I don't want to hear that. I want you to do what I ask you to do. See, when we are in servanthood, we understand when somebody's serving us what it's to look like. But we forget what it looks like when we're serving somebody else. Oh, it's my job to tell you how it's to be done. It's my job to make sure it is right. No, it's your job to serve. It's your job to do whatever they ask. Notice this, that if God has called us to serve, that makes us his servants. He's our Lord and our master. And so I must do what he calls me to do. I can't be giving God suggestions. Saying, God, I'll think it'll work better this way. God, I think it'll be better if I go this way, not the way you told me to go, because this way looks a lot better. We're laughing now, but that's the conversation we have with God. We tell God what is best, realizing that we really don't know what we're talking about. We go by what we can see, and our eyesight is limited. God sees what's beyond whatever we see. God knows what's going to be the greatest outcome of every decision we'll ever make. And so here it is. He wants you to get what's best in your life by you just saying, God, I'll trust you and follow you. And he will order your 
steps, hallelujah, good God from Zion, the righteous steps are ordered by the Lord. He will not lead you into a pit, but he'll take you over to glory. But yet you first got to follow his instructions. Get up a mind of a servant and just do what Christ said. He says, Jesus says that I only said what he told me to say. I only did what he told me to do. That's to be our motto, that what you say, Lord, I'll say. And what you say for me to do, I'll do. What you tell me to go, I'll go. We need to be like Isaiah saying, Lord, is there anybody sinning? Dear Lord, send me. We used to be willing to say, God, I'll do what you call me to do. But too many times we talk about like we want to be Isaiah, but we're really Jonah. We hear God say one thing, we go in the office and we know I ain't got time for that. I'd rather die than do what God has for me to do. And so here's the problem, that we are so blinded by our own lust, our own pride, our own ego. We don't see the damage we cause to ourselves by not submitting to God. God wants what's best for you. Tell your neighbor, God wants what's best for you. And so we need to acknowledge that God has command over my life. So that means I am his that I belong to him. And so think about what possession means, that you belong to him. Has, has anybody ever known someone that takes a good care of their car? And so you know that you can trust them to have your car because they say that it's good care of their car. So you don't mind your car being in their possession because they'll take care of it. Or how about those who love your children, that you don't wa- let anybody watch your children, that you let certain people watch your children because you know that they'll take good care of your children. Y'all quiet on me. Some of y'all say, my children long gone. All right, and gr- any grandparents in the house, you find out that your children loved you enough. You took such good care of them that they bring their grandkids by because they trust you. You took good care of me. I trust you. You'll watch my grandkids the same way. And what I want to highlight is here that when you believe that someone will take care of something so well, you can leave them and you don't worry about it. You call back every once in a while, house still standing? All right, all right, I'm going back. Here it is. God takes great care of his children. If you just do what he asks you to do, you will see the blessings that come from obedience. The prophet says obedience is better than sacrifice. I've learned that the hard way in my life, that obedience is better than sacrifice. But when we just trust God and do what he calls us to do, we look what Jesus did and says, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. So I can humble myself and trust God knowing he won't take advantage of me. He won't abuse me. He won't misuse me. He'll do everything for my, for my good and for his glory. Do you understand that God does things for his glory and his glory is good for you? So we need to stop making it about ourselves. Stop trying to make yourself first when you should be last. Think about there's some opportunities in your life that you say, you know what, I need to serve more. Where can I be last and serve others? 
And so maybe last may not be you have to wait in line, but maybe last might be you'll give up your Saturday. That your Saturday is normally your day that you go to do whatever you want. You go cruising, you go to the gym, you go mountain climbing, bike riding, whatever it is. You say, you know what, I'm going to go and find a place to serve. I I might go to the Dream Center. I might go to the Salvation Army. I might go to the YMCA. I I might go somewhere and donate my time. I might go to United Methodist and help out with loaves and fish that Saturday morning. Though I would like to sleep in, but I'll go and help those who are without and be a blessing to them. I'll know what it is to serve. See, it's a choice you got to make. See, Jesus willingly made the choice that he gave up. So what will you give up? What are the privileges that you'll give up to serve somebody else? Will you walk around and tell them this is how we, we, we get caught or we walk around and tell, tell people our titles? To walk around, I am the president, I'm the CEO, I'm the doctor, I'm this. But in the house of God, we're all children of God. We need to stop trying to get caught up with titles and positions. But we need to humble and say, I'm a servant of God. Too many times we allow society to give us our qualifications because of our education. If you have a whole bunch of letters after your name, that makes you somebody. Can you tell me what alphabets were after Jesus' name? Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Ain't his daddy a carpenter? He's not educated like us. See, the society looked down upon Jesus because he chose to come low. But he knew he was great. And so he did not allow society to determine his position and his relationship with God. Let me encourage you today that you are serving in the community of God. People may look down upon you, may not appreciate what you're doing, but do not allow them to speak about your relationship with God. Because God knows who you are. And he loves all who call on the name of the Lord. Because when you call on Jesus, you become co-heirs of the kingdom of God, and you become partners of this great ministry of servanthood. And Jesus says, I gave up royalty to become the servant of all. And if they didn't believe me, guess what? There's going to be some times in your life they don't believe you, but keep on pushing. Uh, keep on doing what God's called you to do. Humble yourself uh, and let God be God. Tell your neighbor, God can fight my battles. So you don't need to argue with everybody about everything, but just serve the Lord, knowing that he will defend you. You get the time right when it's time for you to be elevated. That time will come. No, you notice, notice we're in verse 7. Verse 9 is when he got elevated. Sometimes you got to wait to the next verse. Just keep on waiting, but yet, no, my verse is coming up. <laughs> when my elevation is going to come, but right now, I got to be low. Did you see how Jesus realized he wanted to serve God over self-interest? Remember what he said. Not my will be done, but thine will be done. We need to have the mind of the servant and realize that I may have ideas, 
I may have suggestions. I may even have information to give. But my first priority is to do what you've commanded me to do. That's our first step. Don't get caught up and say, Lord, let me talk about it. Let me tell you how we can do different. Let me just do. You told me that I said love. Let me love. You told me I should forgive. Let me forgive. You told me to be patient. Let me be patient. Let me have the mind of the servant. And we can do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray.